Hi, this is Donna Otto, and we are modern homemakers. We love being homemakers. We love being modern. We love having an opportunity to come into your worlds wherever you are. <laughs> the stories you tell us about where you listen to podcasting are charming and disarming. And I know myself, I'm a podcast listener, and I can do it on my phone, when I'm walking, when I'm driving, when I'm riding, in my room, anywhere. You can just push a button, and there whoever it is you want to listen to. So thank you for listening. Thank you for responding to our Builder campaign. There are still a few places. Please consider making a donation with a reoccurring amount from $5 to whatever dollars you can feel that God would allow you to be blessed by. I, You know that we've been doing this for 15 years. This is the first time we've ever done this on air. And it happened because a board member said to me, do you feel blessed when you give something? And I said, oh, yeah, like totally. She said, well, don't you think it might be nice to let our listeners feel blessed by giving something to the work of modern homemakers? And I said, okay, you're on. So we did. Builders 87, thank you for many of you who just made a one-time donation. And for the rest of you, many of you also who have made a reoccurring um, gift for this coming year, 12 months from whenever you start. So we've been talking about preparing for Easter for weeks now, all sorts of days that we've had together with Lenten meditations on Peter and the prayer, uh, walking worthy out of Philippians, the customs of Easter, uh, Peter again on the beach, so today we want to end this time. It is Good Friday if you're listening to this on the day it's aired. And um, I want us to look at a man whose name is Nicodemus. And you've probably heard his name before. But I want to read to you from the book of John, chapter 3, verses 1 through 10. There was a Pharisee named Nicodemus, a leader of the Jews. He came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one can do these signs that you do apart from the presence of God. And Jesus answered and said, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Nicodemus said to him, How can anyone be born after having grown old? Can one enter a second time into a mother's womb and be born? And Jesus answers, Very truly, I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not be astonished that I have said this to you. You must be born from above. The wind blows where it chooses, and you hear the sound of it. But you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with anyone who is born of the spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? And Jesus answers and says, Are you a teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Now, this is a very memorable passage. It's been talked about, taught about. The whole phrase of being born again comes from here. But this is the only place in the scripture that that born again question happens. And Nicodemus, what I want to settle on today is how Nicodemus takes a stand. And, and I think, if I, if I were to stretch it at all, I might say how he literally expresses 
how he has been reborn. So he, he comes to Jesus early in the ministry of Jesus' life, and he, he is, as I've just said, a Pharisee, reading it from the passage. And we want you to know that at Homemakers, we attest to the changing power of a resurrected Christ and that the advocate he sent was the Holy Spirit. We read the Bible here as a handbook, and if you've listened to us at all, you know that I reference the Bible, and I reference the fact that the disciplines of our faith, the practices of our faith, the obedience to God, all comes from the Spirit, which gives us strength to do things that we don't have strength to do. The wisdom books of the Old Testament tell us what wisdom looks like and what folly looks like. And I always think I'm always surprised when someone would choose folly over wisdom. But we all do, because we're human. And then we enter into the new covenant where Christ says, he must go away and he must die as a part of God's plan, but then he will come to life again and he will send the Holy Spirit. And we will have an opportunity to do exactly what Nicodemus is asking Jesus about. I find that Oh my gosh, the planning of it, the intricacies of it are always stunning to me. But here is this base of who Nicodemus is. Now, the crucifixion itself was meant to be a deterrent. The horror of crucifixion was to cause you to think twice about being a criminal. Now, homemakers is located in our offices, our global offices. We are global ministry in that we have listeners from 27 countries aside from America. But here in our state, there was a sheriff. His name was called Joe, and he was called Sheriff Joe. And he was edgy at best, edgy. But one of the things he did reminds me of what the Romans were doing with the crucifixion, because the crucifixion was awful, dreadful, horrible, terrible. And they let people see it so that you don't want to do anything bad that that might happen to you. But more than that, they nailed at the top of the cross what your crime was. So the crucifixion was like Sheriff Joe, who made the criminals put on pink jumpsuits in a work chain gang and took them out to the highways of Arizona to clean up the roads and the streets in their pink jumpsuits, men in pink jumpsuits. Can you picture it? So if you drive along and your 14-year-old boy who's thinking he wants to try the law a little bit or break the law a little, or your 16-year-old, like a friend of mine who's 16-year-old, just drove with a suspended license, he just thought it was just a ticket. He didn't understand. It was just a ticket. No, it wasn't a ticket, and now he's lost his driver's license for some period of time. She's really ticked because she's going to have to drive him back to school. But more than that, would you say to your son, as you're driving night, you want to wear one of those pink suits and be in a chain gang? Well, that was what the crucifixion was. That was what it was designed to do. The cross was your crime. It demonstrated what the crime was. Jesus' crime was claiming to be king. That was his crime. And it was written in three languages so that any literate person would know. It was kind of a point of contention, and this is the history part that I think you'll find interesting because it makes what Nicodemus did all the more important. So Pilate doesn't 
think that this whole business about Jesus being a political problem is really worth it. But the Jews, the leaders of the Jews do. So Pilate says, okay, and he gives in, and they plan to kill Jesus. You know part of the story, I'll say a little more of it as I go on. As I go on. But the king of the Jews is what the Jews wanted to put on the, on the cross. And Pilate, who didn't agree with crucifying Jesus, because he didn't think Jesus needed that, he's not a threat. Jesus, from Pilate's position, he's not a threat to the Roman kingdom, to the Roman empire. So what he does, and I love this, it's like humanity evidence. It's just a small little detail of history. But he had it put on in three languages, in Latin, Greek, and Hebrew. And the claim was that he was claiming to be king, the king of the Jews. So why does he say the king of the Jews? Because Pilate wanted the Jews to look bad. Because the Jews were really the reason why the crucifixion was happening. Aren't we something? Aren't we manipulative and get what we want? So Pilate says, okay, okay, Jews. Okay, leaders of the Jewish world, we'll give you what you want. Now, Jewish world and Roman world, um, they were... They, they were intertwined with one another. So Pilate got him to say as much when he was interviewing Jesus, and from that he goes on, and now Pilate says, okay, and the king, the Messiah, is hanging and broken on the cross, and who's going to take that man seriously as a global leader? He's a dead leader. So then this piece happens at the end of the story. So so picture the Roman Empire. I don't know about you, but I remember many times as a young woman hearing this, con- this sentence given. Oh, whatever you do, don't talk about politics or religion tonight. You know, the new people coming to the house. Whatever we do, let's not talk about politics or religion. And you have to know that politics and religion then, as is always, are very mixed up together. And so this was Pilate and the Jews, Roman politics, Jews, religion, okay? And now he's hanging, he's hanging the world's leader on a cross. He has been beaten, and what he's saying is what kind of leader could he be? Joseph of Arimathea, who we don't know much about, but he was given permission by Pilate to take the body of Jesus, and in comes Nicodemus. Now, Nicodemus, I've already read to you, is where he met Jesus. Nicodemus brought a half a hundred weight of extremely expensive spices, a vast amount of spices, amount that a king would be given for burial. And this was not done in the dark of the night. This is Nicodemus wealthy Nicodemus. He has a long line of servants carrying this large amount of spices in a very, very conspicuous honor to a man condemned and executed for treason. This action says what Nicodemus has finally acknowledged. He sees Jesus. He sees that this is the kingdom of God come to earth. He, he goes to him and says, how can this happen? What? But he's a rabbi. Nicodemus himself was a rabbi. 
he was allowing himself to be exposed to at least ridicule. He was a very important man in Jerusalem. He wasn't the fishermen like Peter or the workers or some of the, the folks who followed Jesus. He lived in exalted social circles, wealthy aristocrat, a member of the leading families of Jerusalem. These people were in the records of the history of the Is Israel nation for their prominence, their wealth, their patronage. But he was a Pharisee. Now, you have to remember, there's a difference between the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And being a Pharisee, even though he had all of this, palatial palace, winter homes in Jericho, country estates, lots of property, they ran most of the affairs of Judea, the Pharisees. And he was not at the top of that pile because he was a Pharisee and not a Sadducee. But he was too important to be left out. Kind of interesting, isn't it? Can you see anything in your culture, in your community, where somebody doesn't really fit because they're a Pharisee and we're all Sadducees, but they're awfully important in their Pharisee world and position and their wealth and their prominence. And he was a learned rabbi. He was a learned rabbi, which is what brought him to see the rabbi in the first place in the passage I read. His first encounter with Jesus is gathering where religion was the topic, and Jesus referred to these words, the kingdom of God. Can you, can you think now about the political, religious environment and how the phrase the kingdom of God settles on the Romans, on the Jews, on the Sadducees, on the Pharisees? The kingdom of God. How, how could that be? This is the Roman Empire, the kingdom of the Roman Empire, and we are the rulers. But because Nicodemus was a rabbi, he saw this tension in his city was ongoing. He didn't like the control Rome had over the church, the Jews of that day. He wanted the ruler of the kingdom he lived in to be the kind of person that's described in the Hebrew scriptures that he studied. That's what he wanted. So his beliefs for Jesus were already there in his heart because he was a trained, learned rabbi. And he didn't expect Jesus to come and be this alternative, this radical alternative. But he remembered when Jesus had said, no one can see the kingdom of God without being born from above. Born from above. And Nicodemus was a ruler in a kingdom that was not born from above. And now being told that he needed to be born from above, whether he was an aristocrat, a Pharisee, or a Sadducee, it didn't matter. He recognized that Jesus' rule was from God. And God's rule is not Roman rule for sure. Interesting side I thought about is that Barabbas and the other criminals, they obviously were no threat to the Jews at all. It was Jesus who was the threat. And this, this display of negotiating with the Roman Empire and their own fear about losing their power in the church because this radical Nazarene is coming and saying all the things he has said. I think this describes a lot of us, Nicodemus. He was affected by Jesus in the early days of his ministry. And he watched, and he listened, and he observed, and he saw that Jesus' values were different. 
and he liked those values. Nicodemus throws in his lot with Jesus. He takes his servants and his expensive spices and he parades through town to get the body of Jesus embalmed, spiced, cared for. And when he does that, he does it publicly and he says to them, Jesus was different. He is the king of the Jews and I am different and you can be different too. And so I was thinking about him and this small place, this small thing, but it felt so connected to all of us. Where is your influence? No matter who you are, no matter what you have, maybe you're not an aristocrat, maybe you are an aristocrat, maybe you're married to a very influential man, maybe you're a very influential woman, maybe you have money from generations ago and a name to go with it. It doesn't matter. Maybe you are a pauper, but you have your sphere of influence, no matter how high or how wide or how big or how little. Have you thrown in your lot with Jesus? Have you said, Katie, by the door, I am all in. I am all in. And I'm not playing poker. And what's the name of that game? I can't say the name of that. Texas Hold'em. Texas Hold'em poker. And I'm not putting all my chips in. I'm going all in because this Jesus brought the kingdom of God and made it available to me. So I don't know where you are. I want to say to you, though, that this is an excellent time to think about it. And maybe this is the season of the year that you will acknowledge that you want to throw yourself in with Jesus of Nazareth, who came, was born, lived, did ministry, died, and rose again this past Easter as we celebrated. I pray that you will enjoy this weekend like no other weekend. Wherever you live, whatever city you're in, whatever the temperatures are, remember that it is spring in our hearts as we look forward to the celebration of the resurrection of the one true living King and God, Jesus Christ. Remember, the common begin and the uncommon finish. Go on and make it a very uncommon day of following Christ. <laughs>